Beaver Nation, it's time to get inside the huddle with the Damn Podcast. The Damn Podcast is your weekly ticket to Oregon State football and recruiting news. Here's your host of the Damn Podcast, BeaverBlitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. Welcome back to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Machado, and with me, as always, is our beat writer, Carter Baines, who is moving back to school. Carter, how are you today? I'm good. Uh, staying busy, moving into our apartment down here, but uh, good to be back in Corvallis. Went down over to Reeser today to get some interviews, so nice and convenient. Don't have to drive all the way down from Sherwood, uh, just down the street now. <laughs> But I'm missing you. I mean, we were taping these podcasts in my office the past few weeks. So I know um, it's it's a yeah. little weird to to be doing this remotely. I know, but it'll work. Let's just start this bi-week show with a quick preview of what to expect today uh, in the damn podcast. First of all, it will be a shorter podcast than normal, just a bi-week. Uh, but Carter and I will go through and talk Cal Poly talk about our thoughts, what went well, and uh, just who stood out to us. We're also going to look at Carter's quick hits. He didn't do quite as well as he has in the past with this week, but we will also jump in and take your damn questions. And I also am really excited about our guest today on the damn hotline. We will be joined by Vince Ginta, the director of player personnel for Oregon State football. He is the head guy when it comes to recruiting, and uh, will talk to us about what actually goes on during the bye week from a recruiting standpoint. So I'm excited to bring him on and for our listeners to hear all kind of the behind the scenes stuff that goes on. You ready to go, Carter? Okay, so Carter, let's just jump right into Cal Poly. You and I, you know, we're up in the press box watching that game. It was, you know, obviously it was a game that Oregon State was expected to win, but what are your, your early takeaways um, or just off the cuff takeaways from that from that win? Yeah, no, that was definitely the kind of performance that uh, we needed to see from this team um, to kind of confirm our suspicions that they had improved a lot over the offseason. Because we, we haven't seen them beat an FCS opponent like that since Nichols State in 2012. And yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's a long time to to kind of let those teams stay in the game and, you know, you know hold the games a lot closer than they should be. Um, but to see them go out and, and kind of dominate it from start to finish, except for you know, that first defensive drive, um, you know, but after that, I mean, it was no question Oregon State was going to win. It was just by how much. And, um, you know, ultimately they go out and win by a handful of touchdowns. And, and it probably could have been a few more. I mean, they did put the second team in, you know, pretty early there in the second half. But, you know, I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's pretty dialed in with Oregon State football. And, and he kind of laughed about it, though. You know, his fans aren't really happy. They wanted to be, they, you know, some fans he talked to said it should have been by more. Um but this team, with the run defense they had last year, he mm-hmm. argued that they could have given up 30 last year. Oh, so yeah. Give up no, seven easily. Was, you know, easily. Yeah. So, I mean, this is you and I talked about it on the way down to the game that, you know, these FCS schools, it's, it's tough, right? Because there's, it's really a, a no win for Oregon State. If they don't win by enough, it's, you know, this team is awful. And if they go out and win handily, it's, well, it didn't tell us anything. But I think from where this team has been, and to see that kind of performance, it was it was very big. Yeah, you have to keep it in perspective when you're playing a team like Cal Poly or you know Oregon State tends to play those big sky schools because they're closer to Corvallis than you know those those other FCS programs. But you know, the big sky schools always provide a pretty nice test for 
the defense especially because you know there's a lot of offense in that league and so um, I, I think it was good timing for you know to play against a, a run heavy team um, when run defense is something that Oregon State has been trying to improve on over the last you know however many nine months since last season ended um, so it, you know it was a good test and I think the, the defense really responded you know, those linebackers and then the defensive line, man, they've looked so much better than last year. Yeah. And talk, I just want to hear your thought here. So, you know, typically you have a lot of times when Oregon State's scheduling, they'll start off with the FCS school and kind of progressively get tougher as the non-conference goes on. This was the opposite. This was mm-hmm. start right out of the gate with, with Oklahoma State and then get progressively easier. Which which scenario do you like better? Um, you know, I, I kind of like easing into it. Um, I think it takes away some of that um, uncertainty going into a first game where you're playing a tough opponent. You don't know what you're going to see. You might get a letdown against a team that otherwise you might beat if you have that week to kind of, um, I don't want to say get an easy win against an FCS team, but you know it's, it's a game where you can have a lot of things not go your way and you still end up with a win. So I like to see that game first and then you kind of ease your way into those tougher opponents um, you know, I, I'm not saying that they would have beaten Oklahoma State if they had started with Cal Poly, um, but you know, I think there's definitely some benefits to having a week to kind of figure out your personnel, um, get players a little more experience before you take on that that big opponent. So, so tell me what what did you like about the offense? I mean, when you and I were down on the sideline before the game, it was it was kind of eye opening because out of nowhere it was like, oh, Tyshawn Lindsay's not suited up. Oh wow, Jamar Jefferson's not suited up. Um, what did you like? What was your takeaway for the off from the offense against Cal Poly? Well, Champ Flemings was my MVP of the game. Um, you know, two huge plays, two touchdowns there for him, and then Isaiah Hodgins also in the the passing game. He came down with two scores as well. So, um, you know, we expected the offense to have a pretty solid day against um, against Cal Poly's defense because it's not something that they're necessarily known for, but. Um, you know, to see the passing game thrive like that, I think that goes a long way for Jake Luton's confidence coming off of a game at Hawaii where, you know, he didn't look very comfortable out there. Um, so I, I think that was big confidence-wise for the passing game. And then the run game without Jamar Jefferson, you know, they're able to put up 262 yards in the run game without their lead back. That yeah, is, yeah. you know, that's a really good sign. And then I also liked, you know, that they were able to get B.J. Baylor going a little bit. He took seven carries. He was the leading rusher for the Beavers, found the end zone once. Um, and he had a 74-yard uh, run with the second teamers, I believe, in the uh, third quarter there. So um, definitely good to see the depth get some some tests there. Calvin Tyler also got in with nine carries. So, so did Teron Madison. Yeah, he had a couple carries as well. The true freshman. Yeah. So I I agree with you. It, it was funny. I went on a Eugene radio show yesterday, and um, the the um, host was asking me about you know well Jamar Jefferson was out and you know, obviously a Eugene radio station is is covering Oregon Ducks and, and Oregon State's more of an afterthought. But it was it was funny to me that they really had no clue about Oregon State's you know stable of backs that it's not just mm-hmm. Jamar Jefferson show that there's several and I really liked what we saw from Artavis Pierce just his speed we've said it before but he has such breakaway speed it's such a different look than Jamar who's more of a power back um and it, it was it was fun to see yeah 
with with Pierce, you see it in his yards per carry. That's where yeah. the that's where his breakaway speed kind of shows up. You know, you look at the the post game box score and you're like, oh, he averaged seven point five yards per carry. You know, you you give him the ball and you've got a chance at a first down every time he touches the ball. In Hawaii, he was averaging, I believe, like eleven yards carry. Yeah, so, yeah, I, so he's just he has a knack for finding the second level of the defense, and that's something that Baylor. You know he's shown that he can he can break the big plays, but you're more likely to get it from Pierce with his kind of his shiftiness and his his breakaway speed. So let's switch over, or switch gears a little bit, and talk about the defense. You've already mentioned a little bit about the linebacker play and the defensive line play. This was really a game. I'm still not sold on the secondary, but we didn't really need to worry about the secondary too much with with a run game from Cal Poly. Talk about, I mean, there were some injuries there. So no uh, Addison Gums, no Matt, uh, Matthew uh, Tago. Who got your game ball on defense? John McCartan, by far. And I, going into the game, I said, you know, this is this lines up for him to have a pretty nice day. I yeah. think um, when you're going up against... I think you called out Avery a, Roberts, but I mean, a linebacker. A linebacker needed a yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked Avery Roberts, I think, in our quick hits to lead yeah. in tackles, but... John McCartan, um, with those injuries at linebacker, you know, he got the opportunity to kind of man that position a little bit more. Um, you know, and he showed some signs at Hawaii too that, you know, he's he's for real. He can make some plays. Um, and then he showed that for sure at Cal Poly, leading the team with twelve tackles. He was by far the the team leader in tackles. Um, and he also recorded another sack, his second of the season. So um, yeah, he would be my MVP defensively. Um, even though you know I didn't go into the game expecting him to lead lead the way defensively, I, uh, that was really good to see. That shows I, that shows the depth at that position. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you there, and I also agree with the fact that we talked about last week that we can't be seeing Oregon State's leading tacklers be secondary defensive backs. Mm-hmm. They need it to be part of the front seven, and we saw that this week. So yeah, um, that's, the four, the that's four leading tacklers were. Uh, three linebackers and Lamone Williams on the line. And and how about my my um, unofficial game ball, I guess, if you will, went to Elu Iden. I mean, the mm-hmm. guy, it, it didn't register as much. I mean, I think he had four tackles, but he was in on every play, hustling down the field, um, really had a strong game. Maybe his best game as a beaver. Yeah, there was one play that stands out in particular to me um, from Elu where uh, Cal Poly course was running the ball and uh, you, the guy gets into not quite the second level of the defense but you know he's he's maybe five yards downfield and I, I see Elu sprinting full speed makes a you know, kind of a shoestring tackle on him saves a big play that's what we saw from from Elu Aiden throughout fall camp um, even in spring camp too we saw a little bit of that that's that athleticism aspect that he brings to the field this year that he hasn't had before yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I was really impressed. I mean, he has taken so much heat from Beaver fans, and, and to see him looking that athletic at, gosh, what is he, 350, 360 pounds? Yeah, yeah. Really, really good to see. So, transitioning now, this has been a bye week. I know you, you just moved down to Corvallis Monday. No Jonathan Smith press conference this week. Our normal Monday press conference was gone, um, was not mm-hmm. happening. Speaking of press conferences. This was not on our outline of what we're talking about, but have you seen Mike Leach's press conference about his battle between Pac-12 mascots? I saw that last night and yeah, I got a good laugh out of that. Oh, that was, wow. that was that really was good. Awesome. That guy is a gem. Total gem. Anyway, 
who who do you think would win? Just just for fun. Oh, which well, well, so I, the beaver would obviously take down uh, the tree down at Stanford. Yes, yes. But you know, we'd we'd have a, a tough challenge against the bears with uh, yeah. Cal and and UCLA. Uh, I think I think Leach agrees on that one. Those Bruins are. You know, they've got the advantage against most massive And buffaloes, you know, <laughs> buffalo, buffalo yep. are pretty. And um, and you never know what the special powers are of a sun devil. That the just, mythical you know, powers of the a sun mythical devil. powers. Yes. So if you haven't <laughs> seen that, go search your computer for Mike Leach talking about the Pac-12 mascots. It is a minute and thirty that you're gonna not you you won't regret watching. Okay, so let's talk bye week. So we did not have Coach Smith. And I can't see, I can't even imagine Coach Smith addressing that. If one of us asked him at that, at the press conference, he might look at us like we had five heads. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> there has been practice this week. So I know you've been right. by, practice is still closed for the media, but there is media availability. You were there yesterday to talk with some of the offensive players. Today was defense and Coach Smith. Any highlights um, from those meetings with the with the coaches? Yeah, so while we didn't necessarily get our um you know, 15-minute press conference with Smith this week. Uh, we He was available today, and we got a little bit of an injury update from him. I think that's the biggest takeaway from, from these two days of practice. Jefferson and, um, why am I blanking, receiver, Lindsey. Lindsey. Jefferson and Lindsey are both going to be good to go this week. Um, good. That was, that was just a one-week absence. And then Jordan Whitley, he said, is probable for Stanford. Okay. So... So to get those guys back, that's big going into conference play. And then um, he did address Trevon Bradford is still not cleared. So, um, you know, he said they may look into redshirting depending on how long this absence lasts. But, you know, I got to say that's disappointing because we kind of expected him to be back by now. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, he had that foot injury that happened spring, had surgery during the spring, was kind of set to, uh, be back and I, I've heard he's had a setback with the foot injury. So um, you know, with him, any any update on David Morris with his foot injury? Uh no, we didn't hear anything about okay. him today. But um, you know Well it's great news about Jefferson and Lindsay and hopefully they'll have Whitley back as well for for Stanford. Um so so from a a standpoint, I know some of our fans are kind of probably wondering what did the coaches do during the bye week? And I think that's actually one of our damn questions. Mm-hmm. Um is is what you know, what goes into a bye week? So, you know, bye week's a couple fold. So, A, it's a lot of treatments. And, you know, the guys that are dinged up are getting a lot of treatment. They're working with the training staff, just trying to get healthy. You know, there's um, a lot going on, massages and cold tubs and and all the things that go into getting these guys back, you know, prepared to actually play in the physical demands of the sport. They also practice. It's usually pretty light. Right. Um, but they are, you know, working through some things, maybe things they've messed up on, things they want to crisp up before, you know, really getting heavy into Stanford starting next week. And then the biggest thing, in my opinion, is is the recruiting aspect of it. And, you know, this is the week now coach, the coaches will go off on the road, probably, you know, they'll either leave tonight, Wednesday night or leave Thursday to get out on the road. They will all scatter and they will hit their recruiting regions to check in not only with guys that are committed and go watch them play, but also evaluate guys that maybe they've offered for the 2020 class, guys that they're thinking about offering, and then also looking at the 2021, 2022 guys. So um, they will be making the rounds. They'll be going, you know, all over. And then Saturday they'll be spent spent or the time will be spent evaluating JUCOs because the junior colleges play on Saturdays. So it's a really busy time. It's really important, and it's also 
again, why I really think this two bye week, you know, system that they have this year is super, super important for them just because of recruiting. Yeah, having two buys is um, it's unique. It doesn't happen every year. Um, but we, we talked to the coaches this week about kind of their uh, how they want to set up these two weeks of preparation. Um, and, you know, th- this one in particular comes at a good time because it's right after non-conference. So you have those first three games under your belt. You're heading into uh, the conference schedule next week. Um, and, and, and it also comes at a good time injury-wise. You know, Oregon State's got a little bit of injury bug going on. And um, to have an extra week of recovery is huge at this point in the season. But we talked about um, the uh, practice schedule. You know, you mentioned it's a, it's a lot lighter in a bye week. They did go the last couple of days. And um, they'll be off now until Sunday, which acts as an extra day to prepare for Stanford. So that's big having more time to prepare for Stanford um, after all the coaches get back from the recruiting trail. And, you know, once the players get their treatment um, at the end of this week. Good. So that's a great segue because I was, it's actually going to be a little bit later, but this is a good question for right now. How, in, in my opinion, and some people in the lodge, we've been talking about this. Is this, in your opinion, the biggest game in coach Smith's young head coaching career? Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah. ju- just because I see it as a, probably their best opportunity to get a Pac-12 win um, thus far. I, I know they did beat Colorado last year, but I mean, let's be honest, nobody was really saying that you know Oregon State was favored in that game or anything. This this is a game where um, you know a, a, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be predicting this upset just based off of how high Oregon State is riding uh, after last week and you know, how poor Stanford has played to start the year. So, um, you know, and it's it sets up schedule-wise as a bit of a trap game for the Cardinal and Oregon State's coming off a bye. You know, there's a lot of storylines there that, that line up for a huge opportunity for Oregon State to get um, a conference win in their first conference game of the season. Well, I mean, look at that, though. Look at, I mean, they have Stanford, and the very next week they go on the road to UCLA, who, you know, is having one of the roughest starts in a, in a long time. Right. No, I, I would actually favor Oregon state in that game against UCLA, not to look too far ahead or anything, but um, you know, that's, if there was ever an opportunity to get a road win in this conference, it's going to be in that, in that game. I mean, and that one, you know, it's, it's, it's just huge. No matter how poorly UCLA is doing, they still have a great coach and they have so much talent at all their positions. So to, to get that win and, and winning in, in Los Angeles is tough. Oregon state traditionally has not done a great job winning, especially in the Rose bowl. So that would be a, a huge game. Um, okay. So we jumped ahead into Stanford, but let's talk recruiting a little bit back to recruiting because the big news on Saturday, Carter, you and I were on the sideline and we're standing there. We're talking. We just, you had just wrapped up your pregame hit from the sideline for, for our social media, Twitter live feed. And, this big kid goes walking by with James Rogers and Mike, Mike doctor and, and Derek Ray, the, you know, it was red carpet and you're kind of looking at and you and I are looking at each other. And we're like, I'm like, gosh, I think that's Devin Williams, the USC transfer kid. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that's who it was. We, we snapped a quick picture of him before we headed up to the press box. And, you know, just how big would that be to get a, I mean, actually, I think he's six, five, 210 yeah. pound receiver. How big yeah. would that be? For Oregon State. Oh my gosh, that would be huge. I mean, to have 
that kind of offensive weapon at your disposal with the pieces that Oregon State already has in place, I mean, that's massive. And then, you know, and if he were to, um, let's say, transfer in within the next week before classes start, he's eligible next year. Yes. Um, and, And that's something that Oregon State provides that everybody that's on semesters and everybody that's already started school, you know, that's an advantage that they don't have. So, uh, you know, it it would be huge to have him eligible next year. If you look at maybe Isaiah Hodgins goes to the NFL after this year, you know, to have, to have somebody step in right away as lead receiver, um, unquestioned leader of that group, you know, that, that'd be massive. Yeah. So this is what we know so far. Um, he was on campus this weekend. He was originally coming in. Um, he was with, and I, and I said entourage in the, in the lodge and, and people called me out on it. I didn't mean it in a negative way, but he was with a lot of family and friends and um, a lot of, you know, his family members were with him and he was supposed to go down to Oregon to watch the Montana, Oregon game, canceled that trip and stayed in Corvallis. So, um, you know, like you said, the quarter system is, is huge in this situation because the, the rule for the NC2A transfer is that you sit out one full academic year. So if you transfer to a semester school that started last month, you would have to sit out really a year and a half mm-hmm. um, for that full academic year. The quarter schools offer that ability to come in, start classes immediately, fall term, and be eligible for the next for the next fall. So that would be huge. So, um, you know, I've, I've reached out to our friends at USC football and, you know, just talked about what a great talent he is. You know, they, Ryan Abraham at uscfootball.com told me that when they first recruited him, he played both sides of the ball and USC, he thought might look at him as a safety, but he has an NFL body. He just hasn't been as consistent as a pass, as a pass catching receiver. But in that system where you are staffed, you're not getting the reps necessarily that you might at other, at other institutions. So um, he did not go to Oregon as far as I know, he has not gone to Oregon, and um, we have a week until classes start. So I, I like where the Beavers sit with him, and that's another one of our damn questions is asking kind of for an update on him. But, um, you know, I've reached out to him a couple times. He's a real quiet, quiet young man and um, have not heard back from him, but I do expect something here in the next day or two. So stay tuned um, because I do think Oregon State has a really, really good shot of landing him. Yep. And I, I, I went ahead and looked for all those people that are looking and where he would rank. So what this would be the sixth transfer, for, I mean, a major transfer, and he would be at the top. He ranked as higher even than Tyjong Lindsay, who had been the top-ranked recruit. Yeah, and I, I was curious about that, too. And, you know, I took to the 24-7 composite scores from his recruiting profile, and Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think he would be the highest rated player to come to Oregon State since Isaac Sayamala. Yes, you're correct. So it, it, it's talk very about, important. Talk yeah. about a huge weapon on the offense. Yeah, yeah. So And, and you look, like you said, there's a lot of talk, and, and rightfully so, that Isaiah Hodgins could go to the league next year. So he's your tallest receiver. You need somebody in there that's you know a 6'4", 6'5", target to go along with some of the, the smaller, smaller guys that the Beavers have on their, on their roster right now, but it would be huge. So stick with Beaver Blitz. We will have the latest, believe me, I'm been keeping very close tabs on this and uh, I've been keeping Carter as much as I know. I, I keep Carter in the loop as well. So look for um, if something happens, we'll, we'll have it for you immediately. 
Um, okay, so going to quick hits. Let's just jump to quick hits because actually I feel bad because I said you were three of ten, but I think it actually goes four of ten because I forgot you said that Hodgins would be the leading scorer and he tied. So you should get credit for that. Okay, yeah, that counts. Four four of ten, but you were super close too on Luton going over three hundred yards passing because yeah, like he would have he would have if if he was in the game longer than two quarters. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, it, it is was, what it is. It was good. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's been a couple rough goes, but, you know, it, you've got a full season. We're only a quarter of the way done. Carter, tell us what you're working on before we get to the damn questions. What are you working on for the rest of this bye week for Beaver Blitz? Yeah, so we're going to take a look um, kind, of, kind of at the positions individually and do some, uh, we'll call them the midterm grades, uh, you know, partway through, way, yeah. partway through yeah. the season. Uh, good opportunity to kind of reflect on, um, where these groups are individually and, you know, how, what kind of steps forward they've taken um, week by week. And then just in general, you know, where we see them going forward, um, just kind of an overview of, of their performance uh, through the first three weeks. Awesome. I'm super excited. And we've also had some fun on Beaver Blitz. If you're not checking it out, get over and check it out because we have Peter Oz, Riley Osborne and Raji Woodward they um, not only does Peter, a former offensive lineman in his own right, um, give us his trench report and he he does his notes. So it's, it's not just, you know, a guy writing down what he thought of the game. He's actually breaking down, especially the offensive and defensive line play in his notes each week. It's called the notes from the hangar. Love that feature. Uh, and then they do their smackdown. Peter and Raju could have their own little comedy routine. We could probably have them on the podcast one of these weeks because they're quite funny in their One's a total optimist, one's a pessimist, but um, they both love the beeves. So um, very good look there. Um, it's not a quiet bye week by any sense, by any uh, source of the imagination there at Beaver Blitz. But it's time to jump into some damn questions. And if you're looking for a way to help support the damn podcast, we do have availability of a title sponsor and a a sponsor of the damn questions. So if you want your business read to the masses, just get in touch either via Twitter at Angie Machado one and uh, send me a DM and uh, we can talk things through. But Carter, we've got some, we got some questions. We got first one coming from EB hoops, our friend, mm -hmm. your friend, my friend, OSU's receiving course looks to be as deep and talented as ever next year. Does Tristan Jebbia have the arm talent to turn that crew into the mo most prolific this side of Washington state? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think he, you know, we saw a little bit of it uh, in the Cal Poly game when he came in. Um, we, we saw what he could do with his feet. And I don't think there was enough time there. And he, he made enough throws for people to see his, his arm talent. Uh, he's, um, you know, he's, I don't want to say an elite passer, uh, but th there's not going to be any drop off whatsoever between uh, what Jake Luton brings this year and what, people will see from Tristan Jebbia next year. I, I do think that, that Luton has a deeper ball. I mean, he, can yeah. throw, he has a, a stronger arm, but I think Tristan maybe has quicker release. Yeah. Yeah. I, not, I mean, he, not like a, he not kind of has to in strength. He, yeah. Yeah. And he kind of has to being um, a little bit shorter than Luton. And that was something that um, Shamaya and I were kind of watching as, as we first um, got our first look at Jebbia in spring camp was, you know, um, how, how fast does he get the ball out? You know, what, what difference is there between 
Luton and Jebbia in terms of um, maybe like arm angle things that things that might give Jebbia uh, a an bit edge. of an advantage. Yeah. Um, and and while you mentioned that Luton probably has a better deep ball, I might go and say that Jebbia is potentially a little more accurate. Um, okay. Yeah. Fair. But uh, he, you know, he just brings. They both. A different their strengths. Look. I mean, the different. Yeah, different look. And we saw his. You know, we saw him run for a touchdown against Cal Poly. So he does have that. Although we did see Jake take off and run at Washington or at uh, Hawaii. So that was, you know, fun to see. But but Luton is a, or Jebby is a little more mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, Lawrence K asks, I've got to ask, what's up with Jackson Cloyd and the transfer portal? Uh, Jackson Cloyd, we haven't touched base with him. He is a walk-on freshman. Um, from Orange Lutheran, great player. I mean, it was really kind of surprising that he did not have any offers out of, or you know, major offers out of high school. So my guess there is he's a walk-on, and if he has a chance to go out and earn a scholarship, being in the transfer portal, then he will do so. Um, he also was a player, a scout team player of the week two weeks ago. So, um, like I said, good player, but gosh, you can't fault a kid if he's if wants to try to, you know, find himself a scholarship. Yeah. Um, let's see, Pablo. Aloha, Pablo. I know you're in the beautiful islands. Um, what are the chances the Beavs will be landing the USC wide receiver in the transfer portal? Mahalo for your insights. Well, we kind of talked about that. If My gut right now on Wednesday is that I, I like the Beavers' chances. Carter, do you have any, any gut yeah. feeling? Yeah, so you mentioned um, the two things that, that stand out to me as really good signs. One being that his entire family and you know, a couple friends came with him. You know, that's big to have, to have all of his support system with him experience this visit, go to the game. Um, you know, that, that's a good sign. And then also the fact that, you know, it was reported that he would go down to Oregon, watch, uh, watch their game after visiting and Oregon, Oregon State. And Oregon was his leader in, in high school. That was yeah, kind of the yeah. thought to be where he was going to end up well, yeah, before that, he chose no, USC. That's a big part of it, too. We have to remember that uh, there, there was a pretty nice recruiting battle going on between Oregon and USC um, out of high school. And, you know, he kind of uh, left Oregon in the dust there, everybody thinking that he would he would go to Oregon and then he uh, heads down to L.A. And then, you know, he comes back up here and, and skips a visit with the Ducks. So, you know, Beaver fans, if even if they don't, even if Oregon State doesn't land him, you know, taking taking a couple shots at the Ducks there, you know, has to at least be some consolation. Yeah, I, like I said, so right now we both feel pretty pretty good about that. Um, Mike asked, where's Isaiah Smalls? I think he's been battled with some injuries. I think he's been battling, and I don't, they're so secretive with actual injuries, um, and they won't talk about injuries unless it's, you know, season ending or out for significant time. So, um, Carter, maybe you have a little more insight, but I, I think he's just been kind of hobbled a bit. Yeah, um, we don't know exactly what the injury is, but we know he did not travel to Hawaii. Um, yes, so it, so he it wasn't was, ready to go. Yeah, so it was significant enough that um, he didn't travel with the team, and then obviously he was out last week, but that's pretty much all we know at this point. Stephen Dowling says, after his big game against Cal Poly, how do you think Champ will transition into Pac-12 play? Good question, Stephen. Hmm. Uh, well, we talked to Champ yesterday when when we got some offensive players available um, at media availability, and um, he kind of addressed how a game like that affects his confidence, um, and, and I think that's a big part of it. He said that you know he goes in with the same amount of confidence regardless of 
you know, what happened in the last game, what happened on the last play. You know, he, he stays pretty even-minded there. And, um, you know, he's a confident kid. He and is. the coaches and the confident. coaches will tell you that too, and you know, but with, not but not to an extreme. He's not no, no. cocky and arrogant. He's very humble, but I mean, he's he totally trusts his abilities. Yeah, and you have to when you have a bit of a size disadvantage as he does, and you know, it was very clear on those big plays, especially that incredible catch he had in the end zone. Um, you have to have confidence to go up and make that kind of catch. Yeah. So, so I don't, just, I don't know, um, scheme wise, you know, uh, how many looks he'll get, different. but it's going to be different against pack. I mean, especially like a, a team like Stanford that has such big, you know, cornerbacks to go up against. They're going to have to kind of scheme him to get him open and, and make plays in space. But, um, but they also definitely has him. the speed. Yeah, exactly. They, they need him because need him. Y- you can't throw to Isaiah Hodgins all game. And we saw that yeah. against Hawaii. Yeah. Know. We saw what happened when they take Isaiah Hodgins out of the mix, if you don't have a number two. So, yeah. So um, I, I think Fleming's is um, a good option there. And then obviously they'll have Tajon Lindsay back too um, to help out there. But I, I think Fleming's has to be part of the offense in some capacity. Um, as as the season progresses absolutely and then our last question here is from matt chiffoni a longtime blitz member and you didn't ask matt about 10 juco corners this time but we're talking about that over in the lodge about the beavers recruiting targets but you say you ask stats show improvement in the beaver defense are you buying it what do you think yeah yeah no i buy it because this is what the game that we saw last week is what we expected um, from this team coming out of fall camp, just with what we saw on the defensive side, tackles for loss, getting sacks, um, more push. And we saw that with Hawaii too. We, we saw them, you know, against better, if you want to talk better competition. So Oregon state is actually second in the PAC 12 right now in tackles for loss. Did did we think last last year? Last in the country last year. Did we think last year that we would see that kind of improvement? Um, you know, that's surprising to a lot of people, but I, I think, um, at least you and me from what we saw in practice, we, we kind of saw a little bit of this coming. Welcome back to the damn podcast. I am super excited. We kind of have a bonus, uh, today because I know yesterday when Carter and I taped the original damn podcast, I said that was it, but we have a special guest today joining us on the damn hotline, Ben Skinta, director of player personnel. Is that, is that the correct title? Yeah, it is. Awesome. Okay, so Vince, for those of you that don't know, Vince is the recruiting master, recruiting guru down in the Valley Football Center. And uh, I just wanted to bring you on today, Vince, because as all our fans know, this is a bye week. And it's not a time to bring recruits in, but this is a really important time for coaches and yourself to be recruiting. As it kind of yes. takes take some time off the the actual on field so we're thursday we're taping this coaches on the road now or do you guys still have practice today we have coaches on the road awesome we have been in multiple high schools already this morning i've already been getting reports back nice So it's been great and we can't ask you about those reports because that would be breaking all these nc2a rules but we we trust that they're good things but okay so let's just start with that tell us what your job is then during this bye week, helping to coordinate all of, all of this. Right. Well, I think you know, just saying it, you know, my job is to help coordinate it. Um, and my role here, my job is to make the coaches 
role and as primary evaluators and primary recruiters, my job is to make their life easier and to okay. help them, give them the opportunities and the tools to properly evaluate and get to see the kids that they've evaluated. And, and so when you bring that all together, you get into what we call the fall evaluation period. And that starts in September and it ends basically in December when it rolls into the contact period. So okay. the fall evaluation period, you get a certain amount of days. It's not a lot. Well, the NCAA gives you 42 days to be out on the road. Um, and you can imagine if you have 10 assistant coaches and a head coach, um, those 42 days get used pretty quickly, you know, just a few days for each guy. And what so you that's wanted, 42 total for all. Correct. Okay. Okay. For to go out on the road and see and evaluate prospects in the okay. fall. That's yeah, that's not very many because then you're looking at 10 coaches and a head coach. What are they getting about four at each of them? Yeah. You know, and it changes year to year as far as how many days different guys got to be out based on priorities and things like that. But your goal in the fall is really to, to get out there and to show love to the, to the young men that, are already committed to you. Make sure that uh, you're you're gathering all their information and um, and that you're collecting information on future prospects as well. So um, while we can't talk to them, we can certainly be seen. We can certainly gather information and um, you know really get a chance to evaluate some some young men that we might not have been able to see in person yet. So so is this a time then besides from watching? practice or what, what have you in the afternoons when they're in the high schools are they talking to coaches and guidance counselors and, and all of that absolutely that's okay. exactly what this is all about the fall is made for that because in what they call the, the contact period is when they're going to be out sitting face to face with the kids mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. that's uh, during the evaluation period it's exactly what we want to do you want to evaluate which is gather as much information as you can and um you know, and get that logo out there, you know, yeah, get out yeah. underneath those Friday night lights and whether that be in Portland or wherever, Portland or in Los Angeles or up and down the West Coast, we want to get that Beaver logo out there. So, I mean, I know I, I spoke with Coach Blue back this spring and one thing he talked about was so important to him was not just talking to the coaches, but, you know, talking to the secretary in the office and talking to the custodian and talking to people that touch these players yes. daily and really finding out what kind of person they are because it's it's not just you guys aren't looking for just like the best football player I mean that's important but you also want good people representing Oregon State and hard workers and, and guys that are going to fit coach Smith's vision is that something that all the coaches do well I think that when you have a vision for a program like coach Smith does you want to recruit the young men that fit that vision and it's important to gather as much information as you can on them. I think everyone's out there trying to accomplish those same goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just so important in this day and age to, to, to know about as much as you can about these young men, because whether that be in the age of social media, you know, information flies around so quickly, you know, there's, there's no secrets. And so you want to get to know everything you can. And on top of that, um, Another thing that's made it real interesting is, you know, with like the transfer portal being yeah. out there, you want to make sure that you've got kids that are going to be real, you know, happy and, and great fits in your program. So you don't recruit them really hard for a year and then they're gone, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So 
all that being said, no, it's just a great, it, it's a fun time for me because I love working with the coaches and asking them where would you like to go and, you know, putting plans together. It, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite times of the year for sure. So, and, and so you kind of take care of that, the, all the external recruiting stuff. And then Derek Ray in your office helps once, once you get the kids on campus. Is that right? Kind of the, the breakdown? I would say, you know. I mean, you're both uh, involved in everything. But. Absolutely. But, you know, we have a team. We have a recruiting team here, and I don't feel like there's there's not a boss, there's not a, um, you know, we all have our different roles, and um, we've got great guys that are in this, you know, in this building that help in recruiting. I'm just lucky to be part of them, and and my job, like I said, I just support the assistant coaches and the process for. Um, you know, evaluation and, and, and a little bit of the external marketing. And I'm, you know, I find in this, in, in this age that we're in right now is it's, if you've got, it's gotta be a team effort because if, if no one person can do it alone anymore and uh, um, there's so much information that's available, that means so much information that you got to work through. Well, um, social media has gotten huge too. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this, this, this this whole thing has changed probably, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but it's changed a lot even in the past, like maybe five to seven years. You know, I remember when I got my first Facebook account when I was at Nebraska and the kids that were working for me thought it was so funny and, and <laughs> kind of cool that I had one. Um, you know, shoot, that would have been like 2005, I think. And yeah, it's been amazing to see it. And I remember learning, you know, learning about Twitter and, and how that, and there's been so, there's been so much change in that regard of, and the communication with kids has changed so much and, and, you know, but in society's changed and, and, you know, we just want to make sure that having a team to work on things together, it, it really has, it makes it uh, easier because all these different opinions come together and, and it makes it, uh, you know, really uh, get a diverse view of things. And I think it, in the end of the day, it, it makes the product a lot better. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've noticed too, and this wasn't even on my list of things to talk to you about, but just the graphics and things that you guys are pumping out from the, from the football facility, <laughs> just, I mean, that has probably changed. I mean, I'm looking right now at one you guys put out, how important are those just to keep, like you said, branding and keeping your, you know, number one in the pack 12 and first downs and all the, you know, the little stats, right. how important is that to help build your brand a, and then B maybe change some narratives from the past couple of years to and right. these kids. Well, I think my job is, uh, you know, I, uh, my job is like I said, to help get that information out. Mm -hmm. um, kids taking information differently than they used to. Uh, when I, 10 years ago, you were literally typing out a long form letter. Letter. Yes. Or <laughs> and, phone call, a phone right, call, like right. a full on you, call the full on call once a week and you were typing out a full form letter describing what happened in the game, describing that same, like you said, the stats, that is not where we're at. That's yeah. not how I function. That's not how kids function anymore. They need to see, um, they need this information. It helps them make their decisions when they see these types of things, but you've got to get it to them in a form that they are, um, used to receiving information for it now it's digital and it's quick hitting things that are um, that are really impactful and 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 get your message across because uh, you know we're living in a one minute society you know yeah, we're yeah. living in a 
two or three lines of, of after that of reading, you know, and they're uh, done. Yeah. And they're no. done. And, you know, after about 20 seconds of video, they're done. They're um, done. But that's where we're at. So um, we got to make sure that we have a lot of really smart people in this building and and in the athletic department in general, working towards those goals. And it's not just recruits. It's all of us. That's it's all of it. Yeah. Future ticket holders. That's, uh, you know, our our student body, you know, is all that way and, and finding good ways to communicate all that out. Um, I think that's that's one of the main challenges in this day and age. And, and I think we've been we've got a good team in place that works pretty hard on that. So just to get you back, helping the coaches, I'm sure your phone's probably blowing up right now because I've had you longer than I thought. But how important I mean, you guys have two bye weeks during this mm-hmm. and you've already talked about how important these evaluation periods are. Do you like having these these days where the bye weeks where the entire staff can go out or do you prefer like when you go down to UCLA and you can send a few coaches out here and there? I think that the bye weeks are awesome in every head coach has their own theories on and sets up their schedule uniquely. I love what we do uh, because it gives the coaches time. um, And I think the time is really valuable and we could go to it, just show up, you know, at seven o'clock for a game and the kid's playing and he's never even going to know the coach was there and that coach is never, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so time, I think, and time to, to really spend and doing things the right way and, and putting, getting the right due diligence into it. So with, I think that's a reflection of our head coach, giving these coaches time to do the job, um, the right way and, and put a lot of effort into it. Wonderful. Well, I see is, is coach Smith out on the road this week. Um, or is we that do like have a... him scheduled to go okay. out. I can't tell you where, but he's definitely working hard in recruiting. He's busting his tail to, to put a heck of a class together. Well, and well we I know think he that should be out on the coordinator, road. Yeah. Okay. Defensive coordinator, yeah. Tim Tibisar is out in Kansas right now. So, um, and we also, we've seen via social media where he's going on that. So you can check the lodge as well, because I have a couple couple players that coach uh, Tibisar is scheduled to see or, or go check in on, but Vince appreciate your time so much. And I hope we can get you back on the damn podcast one of these days soon. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And just want to give a big shout out to Beaver nation, man. We appreciate your support and we're us wear orange on the Stanford game. This place wear, is going to be lit. Uh, wear orange. You guys heard it here. And uh, yeah, we'll get you back on because that's the whole other thing. I want to I want to talk to you someday about fans and games and how important that is. So sounds great. We'll do that Look next time. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, Vince. Bye bye. Bye There you have it. Some great stuff from Vince Ginta, giving us some insight in in the bye week recruiting and just how important that is as the coaches hit the recruiting trail. So that's it for the bye week. I, it's actually longer than I thought it was going to be. You and I can talk Beaver football. We had a lot to talk about, I guess. Um, next week though, we have a really, really fun show that's already lining up to be fun and, uh, stick with us in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. If you're not a member of Beaver Blitz right now, you can get your first month for a dollar or you can get a whole month or a whole year and save 30% off the regular price. So it's definitely worth it to get the inside information that, that we post in the lodge next week. We also are bringing back the Beaver Blitz confidential, which I know is a lot of people's favorite. It's a Friday before game, before Pac-12 games, where we give some little insight of things that we've been hearing around campus, around practice, about the team. So definitely get on Beaver Blitz. You can read all of Carter's great work. 
and uh, join us in the lodge where we have our own chats and insight all the time, 24 hours a day. Thank you for joining the damn podcast. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place.